All right, guys. All right. Hey, if today's your very first time here at Summit, my name is Mark. Uh, look at somebody next to you and say, glad you're here. Look at somebody. Oh, come on. Act like you like this better than you do. Some of you are acting like you're getting a root canal right now. Come on. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm glad you're here, man. Woo! Woo! It's awesome. It's great, man. Fired up that you guys are here. You picked a great day to come, man. We're so excited to have you. Hey, so what you just saw, that video there, put it on your list. You want to invite and bring people to our Christmas service. Now, our Christmas service is Wednesday, uh, December the 21st. That is at 7 o'clock, okay? 7 o'clock right here is a Christmas service so awesome it will melt your face, all right? So you do not want to miss it, all right? Invite anything with a pulse to come with you to church that night, all right? December 21st, 7 o'clock right here. Now, we are not having Christmas on Sunday morning, December 25th. We're doing that for two reasons. One, every single time we have church here, because this is a city-owned facility, there are city employees that need to be here. So we want to give those people the day off. And also, we want to honor and thank all of our volunteers, our worship team, guest services, Summit Kids, people that are in the booth, people that are at the, te- the uh, soundboard and everything right there. All of the, It takes a lot of volunteers, guys, to pull off a Sunday. And so we just want to honor our volunteers and say, listen, you guys take the day off. Thanks for all of the you do, and we want you to be with our with your uh, family. In fact, let's thank all of our volunteers right now, man, because listen, we could not do this without a single one of you. I'm, I promise that's true, and so, so that's why we're doing that. So no church on December 25th, okay? Now, next Sunday is another great opportunity for you to invite and bring some people with you because our Summit kids are going to be up on stage here for a, por- a portion of the service, and they're going to uh, present the Christmas story in a really cool way. They've been working really hard at that, so that is next Sunday, December 18th, and out there in the lobby, we're going to have like a selfie booth. It's going to be real cool, a cookie-making station, and if I don't eat them all, there'll be some for you when you get here. It's going to be amazing. Uh, And you should invite and bring some people with you next week. And remember what I told you to say last week when you're inviting people. If your kids or grandkids are going to be up on stage here next week, invite people. Say, hey, my kids are going to be up on stage doing things at church this week. You should come. And if they say no, then you look back at them and say, well, then you are an evil, cold-hearted person. Okay, that's exactly what you do, all right? So say that this week if they say, I'm not coming next week. Well, you tell them how evil they are, all right? So it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. All right, so hey, we are, uh, we're going to be uh, in our uh, series that we've been uh, in since, the, since before, actually, Thanksgiving. We started this series uh, about four or five weeks ago, the week before Thanksgiving, and so we are in a series as we're preparing our hearts and our minds for Christmas. We are in a series that we have called A King and a Kingdom to remind ourselves that Christmas is about Jesus, and Jesus is a king who has a kingdom that's going to last forever. And so uh, today, we are going to pray, and we're going to dive in. We're going to talk about the uh, wise men today. And uh, so uh, I want to pray with us before we jump in. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that right now you are here with us, Jesus. We don't have to uh, ask you to come and beg you to, to be here. Father, you are here with us already. And God, our prayer is that we would miss you. It is so easy to come into this room. It is so easy, God, to come into this room and do this every week and walk out and miss you. You were there the whole time. 
You wanted to do stuff the entire hour. You wanted to change our hearts, but God, maybe for one reason or another, we were preoccupied. We had all kinds of other things in our hearts. Or maybe we're thinking about buying that perfect Christmas present, you know, this time of year or whatever. Jesus, this is a time where we can engage and encounter you. So help us to do it right now. Help us to lean in to everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Everybody say Amen. All right. So today we are talking about the wise men. All right. Now, there is, and, and if you have a church background or not, odds are extremely good that you have heard about the wise men. Raise your hand if you've heard about the wise men before in the story of Christmas. There you go. 100% of people in the room have heard about the wise men. Now, I hate to burst your bubble, but there is a really good chance that everything you've heard about the wise men are completely, is completely wrong. Okay. Let, let me ask you a question. How many wise men were there? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, what, what, what? How many wise men have we always been told there are? How many? Three. Bible never says it. Bible never says there were three wise men. Now, the reason we think there were three, the reason people think there are three wise men is because, remember, they bring three gifts, gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh. And so people look at that, people have looked at that culturally, and they've said, oh, well, you know what? Three gifts, probably one, uh, one person brought one gift apiece, and so there was probably just three wise men. But the Bible never says that. The Bible just says that the wise men came, and they brought three gifts. I mean, I mean, you guys, think about Christmases in your past or maybe some other people you know. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, the number of gifts that you bring doesn't indicate at all the amount of people that you're bringing over to somebody's house or you're bringing together when the family gets together for Christmas, does it? I mean, you might have two or three people, and you can have a trunk load of gifts, right? Or you might have two or three people, and if you hate the person that you're going to go visit on Christmas, you might just have a bag of socks. I don't know. I don't know, right? So, but, but, but the Bible never says that there were three wise men. Uh, here's, here's another one. I have, uh, I have a nativity. We have a couple of nativity scenes in our house. Anybody got a nativity scene in their house? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm not going to tell you to go home and smash that, all right? So I like that. Keep it. Um, but, you know, the nativity scene, what is it, right? It's, it's in the manger, and there's Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, and there's shepherds, and there's angels and donkeys and sheep, because everybody needs a donkey and a sheep when you give, a, give birth. And, um, and then there are Who? The three wise men, right? Well, well actually, we're going to read it in just a second. The Bible never says that they were there with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus the night that Jesus was born. Actually, what we're going to read in just a second, it says that the wise men got to the house that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were in. Most Bible scholars think that the wise men were not there when the night that Jesus was born. They estimate that they probably arrived a few days, weeks, some people even a few years after Jesus was born. So now that I have completely destroyed the picture of Christmas that you've loved and cherished your entire life, let's read the Bible. All right? Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and we are going to read verses 1 through 12. All right? Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Should be on the screen behind me here, I think. And if not, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, open it up on uh, your phone, uh, or you can keep notes uh, on our app. We do that every week, and, and hundreds of you, literally hundreds of people do that every week. It's awesome. All right, here we go, Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they, the wise men, told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When, the, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, see, there it is, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So, so if a lot of things that we've always thought about the wise men are not true, then who were the wise men or, or, or the magi? as they probably would have been better known as. Who were the magi? Who were the wise men? Well, here's the main thing that you need to know if you don't know anything else and if you're ever on Jeopardy and it comes up, okay? The wise men were astrologers. That is a big deal. The wise men were astrologers. They were into sorcery. They were into occult practices. They were into Harry Potter before any of us were, okay? So, I mean, these guys were into astrology, and they looked to the stars. They worshiped the stars. They tried to predict the future based on star patterns, and their influence in the Babylonian Empire rose to such a degree they became official advisors of the governor, And that's exactly why they started to be known as wise men. Our word magic or magician is derived from the word magi. They started to be known as wise men because government officials in Babylon would go to these astrologers and get advice and seek counsel. Oftentimes, they thought wise counsel and advice. And so these guys were astrologers. Here's something something to know. They were not Christians, and they were not Jews, but they were spiritual. And they were, and that, so they're not Christians, they're not Jews, but they were spiritual, and they are astrologers. And as they're studying and worshiping the stars, God begins to communicate with them through what? A star, right? Now, we all know that portion of the Christmas story. The wise men show up because they see a star in heaven, and they follow that star to where Jesus is. And so God is, God is, God is doing a supernatural miracle here to communicate with these wise men. And, and, and all kinds of people talk about, what is the star? Is it an actual star? Is it a comet? Is it, who knows what it is? Who knows, honestly, what they saw in the heavens that night? But God is causing a supernatural miracle to occur to get these guys' attention. So, so, so just so we all catch up and we're all on the same page, here's exactly what we need to know. These guys were not Christians. They were not Jews, but they were spiritual. And they were not seeking God, but here's the thing, guys. God was seeking them. And God so wanted to get these wise men to Jesus that God began to communicate with them in a way that they knew, in a way that they understand. They worshiped and studied the stars, so God said, I'm going to send a star to lead them to Jesus. See, see, God is doing exactly what Jesus said he came to do. Jesus said that the reason he came to earth was to seek and to save that which was lost. See, if you, if you know anything about God, one of the things that you need to know about God, guys, is that God is a missionary. 
Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says that God is not willing that anyone should perish. God doesn't want anybody to perish. God doesn't want anybody to be separated from him. And God so loves these wise men when they didn't love him. When these guys were not looking for God, God was looking for them. And so God sent a star to begin to communicate and to drive these non-Christian, non-Jewish, but open to spiritual things, people, God communicated with these people in a way that they would understand to get them where they were to where they needed to be, namely in the presence of Jesus. And so here's what I want to do. I want to say two things to our church today. Two things to our church today that will not be new, that will not be revolutionary, but I've been at this church game long enough to know that these are two things that we always forget. See, I, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've uh, been in church long, or I don't know what got you here today. Maybe somebody invited you. But here's the thing about churches, okay? Here's the thing about churches. Churches don't naturally turn outward to love and serve the world the way that Jesus told us to. Do you know which direction churches naturally go? Inward. If you, if you, if you, if you kind of, you know, kind of like one of those wind-up toys you have. You wind it up and you just let it go, you know? You just let it go and see what happens. If you start a church the way that we did, you start a church, you just let it go and see where it goes. Churches, 100% of churches, we are no exception. 100% of churches, I don't care who you are, how cool you think your church is, how good-looking your pastor is, your pastor is very good-looking. I don't care what the church is, 100% of churches never naturally go outward, 100% turn inward. And so I'm not going to say anything that's new and going to be revolutionary, but I'm going to say some two things today that I want to remind us about because there is a very good chance some or all of us maybe either have or will forget these two things. So I want you to see two things today from the story of the wise men. And here's the first thing that we need to see today. Everyone everywhere is searching. Okay? Everyone everywhere is searching. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you looking for? You guys are asleep. Slap your neighbor and say, what are you looking for? Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. I see spouses slapping each other. Marriage counseling is, is, is $59.99 an hour. I do it on Thursdays all day long. All right? So, so everyone everywhere is searching right? Everyone everywhere. These guys are looking at the stars. They are studying the stars, worshiping the stars. Why? Because they're searching. They are searching for something. Listen, right now, right now, the best guess, if you Google this, you'll see this. The best guess that we have is worldwide, all over the world, there are 4,200 religions in the world today. 4,200. Think about that. And sometimes people ask, Mark, why are there so many religions in the world? And actually, the Bible answers that question. Actually, that's a really easy question to answer. The reason that there are so many religions in the world is because all people everywhere, everybody everywhere is searching. Everybody is. Those religions, they might worship their ancestors. They might worship themselves. They might worship a king or a queen. They might worship some kind of other tribe. They might worship an animal. They might worship a tree. They might worship the spirits. They might worship uh, the clouds. But everyone everywhere is searching, including Americans, you and me. See, just because it's 2016, don't think we're so sophisticated that we've moved beyond this, right? 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 Oh, it's going to be a hard time. 
I haven't even started yelling yet. Just wait, all right? So all people, ever, including Americans. So what we're searching for, some of us, we're searching for love, searching for purpose. We're searching for joy. We're searching for happiness. Some of us, we're searching for a relationship. Some of us, we're searching for fulfillment. Or some of us, we're looking for a way to get, a, to get rid of our past. Others of us, we're looking for a way to change our present. Some of us, we're searching for a way to change the trajectory of our future. I mean, we can kind of trace our family line. It didn't go well for our parents. It didn't go well for their parents. We're wanting some things to change. So we're searching for a way to change some things. This is, this is everywhere. This is everywhere. This is in every song that you listen to. Did you know this? Every song you listen to, Somebody is searching for something. You don't have to just listen to K-Love and the Air One to, li- to hear people sing about God. Everybody is singing about God, whether they know it or not. They might be looking for it somewhere else, just like these astrologers were looking for it in the stars, but everybody everywhere is searching for something. It's in every genre of music. I don't care if it's country, I don't care if it's rap, I don't care what you're listening to, what the song is. Listen, listen to any song on the radio today. And most songs are about what? They're about love. They're about dating. They're about relationships. And listen to the way most people, most artists talk about a guy. Most artists talk about a girl or a relationship. And you can't separate the way they talk about another person from the way David talks about God in the book of Psalms. It's in every movie. It's in every, what happens, what is the basic plot in every single movie that we watch? What is it? Somebody needs to be saved from something. Someone is searching for something. There's a guy that needs to be rescued. There's a woman that needs to be rescued. There's a family that needs to be rescued. The world needs to be rescued, so we need to assemble the Avengers, right? It's in every movie. Somebody is searching for purpose. Don't care what kind of movies you're into. It can even be a movie about an innocent farm boy who just convinces that there's more to his life, but he's stuck on working for, at, at a farm that his aunt and his uncle own, and he can t- constantly goes to his aunt and his uncle, and he says, I just think there's more for me, and they always squash his dreams. And then suddenly in the distance, two droids appear. And those two droids walk up to this innocent farm boy, and they begin to speak of an old wise sage who, who, who people thought existed generations ago, but everyone else had thought died. And then through, through a series of circumstances, the young farm boy and the old wise man, they cross paths. And those two droids begin to, begin to speak of an adventure, and that young farm boy goes on, and he saves the galaxy. Listen, that sounds like the best movie ever. Star Wars, right? Um, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Everyone everywhere is searching. You can't turn it off. You can't stop it. There is a reason we take so many selfies. And then we just check our phones all day long to see how many likes we've got. And if a certain person hasn't liked it yet, we begin to freak out and lose our ever-loving minds. Why? Because we are looking for something. Right? This is everywhere. And I just want to say to our church today, because this is the church that I'm at, and I just want to say to our church today, notice what God does for these wise men. Remember, what are they? They are who? What's their job? They are astrologers. They are worshiping the stars. They are looking to the stars for guidance and for wisdom. God does not come to these astrologers and say, you pagans, you're just worshiping the devil. No, God does this. God says, those guys worship a star, and they should worship Jesus. But to get them to Jesus, I'm going to send them a star. 
See, see, God, God knows there's a reason why they do what we, why they do what they did. God knows there's a reason that why we do everything that we do. See, for so long, Christians have been yelling at the world, telling us to straighten up, haven't we? Right? For so long, we've been online, and we've had a megaphone, and we've yelled at the world, y'all need to straighten up. Y'all need to behave. You guys need to clean your nose. You guys need to keep your pants on. You guys need to follow the Ten Commandments. You guys need to start living right. And there's two problems with that. One is that is not the message Jesus gives. The message Jesus gives says, you can't clean yourself up. I'll do it for you. Amen? That is the, live right is not the gospel. Live right is religion. It's you and I working our way to God. If we could do that, we don't need Christmas. We don't need Easter. We can do this on our own. The fact that we have Christmas and Easter shows we can do none of this without him. Right? Right? The message of Jesus is that you cannot clean yourself up. You can't straighten out your life. I will do it for you. I will change you from the inside out. I will forgive you for your sins. So that's the first problem. That's not the message of Jesus. But the second problem is we're missing the point when we look at the world and we tell them to straighten up. What we need to do is we need to look at the world and realize there is a reason everyone does everything that we do. And the reason we do everything we do is because we are searching for something. It doesn't matter if it's the addict or the CEO. It doesn't matter if it's the valedictorian or the kid at school who's convinced that nobody knows their name. Every one of us are searching, is searching rather, for something. And listen, the only place we can find it is in Jesus. He's the only place. I love what, I love what St. Augustine said. St. Augustine, the great church father and theologian, he just simply says this. He says, our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they can find rest in God. So, so number one, everyone everywhere is searching. Everybody at Walmart right now is searching for something. Everybody at home right now that knew, everybody, knew it was Sunday, knew it was church, decided not to come, they are searching for something. Every one of us in the room right now, we are searching for something. It may or may not be Jesus, but every one of us is searching. And that leads right into the second thing I need to remind you about today. Everyone everywhere needs the gospel. Everyone everywhere needs the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. From the east, where did they come from? Most people think they came from Iran. That would have been an eight to 900-mile journey from Iran to Bethlehem. Iran. I want to say something to our church really quick. This is kind of an aside for where I'm going to go, but just because of the climate and the culture right now, and it's all over the news, and I see it every single day when I turn on the television. As the pastor of the church, I just feel like I need to say, and this is a great opportunity to say it, everyone everywhere needs the gospel, and it doesn't matter what skin color they have. Everyone everywhere. Everyone everywhere. If you think that the gospel is only for white people, I can't wait to stand next to you when you stand in front of Jesus and realize Jesus was not a white guy with a jerry curl that wore a dress, right, right? Most pictures of Jesus that we have, I think that's either Billy Ray Cyrus or Kenny Loggins. I can't tell. I can't tell. Mark, how do you know Jesus wasn't white? Bro, go to the Middle East. Find me a white guy with a perm and a dress. I'll give you a million dollars. You don't have a million dollars. I know. There's also no white guy with a perm and a dress on, right? There's not. Jesus was not a white guy. He wasn't. He wasn't. 
The, the gospel is for everyone everywhere, regardless of how much money they might have or don't have, regardless of their skin color. It does not matter who they are. The gospel is for everyone, Summit. Everyone. Everyone. But let me answer this question, because I get, I get this question from time to time, and I want to answer a question for us. Sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, Mark, what happens to people that die and they never hear about Jesus? Some of you have asked me that question. Mark, what happens to people who never hear the gospel? What happens to people that never hear the gospel the way that you talk about it or the way that I see it on television or I see it online? Mark, what happens to people who never hear about Jesus? And actually, the Bible answers that question. And see, the Bible's answer for that question is, is, that, is that actually all people everywhere have heard about God. All people have. So Psalm 19 in Romans chapter 1 says that God has revealed himself in creation. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. So whether you realize it or not, when you walk out of the doors of the forum this morning, you look at the mountain across the street, or you look at everything that surrounds us, every single part of nature is preaching a sermon that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the creator. But Romans chapter 1 also says that here's what happens. Because of sin, we suppress that truth, the Bible says, in unrighteousness. So we'll look at the mountains and we'll look at the trees and we'll look at each other and we'll look at creation and some people will thank God that God is a creator but a lot of people are not going to think about God at all. They're just going to look at creation and go about their day. So God has revealed himself to all people everywhere, all over the world, one, in creation. Two, God has revealed himself to all people everywhere in their conscience. You know, anthropologists have yet to discover a society, a group of people, a tribe of people that do not have some kind of concept of right and wrong. Now, now their right and wrong might be different than your right and wrong, but every single person all over the planet at this very moment has some kind of idea about right and wrong. My question is, who wrote that on us? The Bible says that God wrote that on us, that God wrote that in our hearts, that kind of conscience in our hearts. But sin in, the real, sin in all of humanity's lives, sin is a reality in all of our lives, it causes us to suppress the truth in unrighteousness so that instead of looking at those things, a lot of people and realizing that there's a God, the Bible says in Romans 1 also that we'll either worship creation, we'll worship ourselves, or we'll worship each other, we'll build some other God. So instead of looking at those things and it instantly drives us to God, a lot of times it drives us somewhere else because of sin. So let me say this, let me say this. All people will be judged according to the light that they have received. Now you should not hear me say that and think, whew, that means at the end of the day, everybody's okay. No, because here's the problem. The problem is that every single person on the planet has received enough light, revelation from God to condemn all of us. Mark, it sounds like you're saying that people who don't hear about Jesus, if they die separated from Jesus, they'll spend eternity separated from Jesus. And I am saying that. And you may not like that. Can I be honest with you? Um, I went to Bible college, seminary, and uh, a few other things. Um, I, rem I remember in Bible college wrestling with this question, and I did not like the answer that I was giving you. 
that I'm giving you right now. I did not like this. It made me, it, it physically made me mad. I remember I was in a dorm room talking to some guys about this issue, and I got so mad, I just got up and walked out of the room. I just couldn't take it. And, and a question came to me, and I just want to put it on the table for our church today. Maybe you hear that and you're struggling with that idea, that thought, and here's the question that kind of brought me around that God used in my life, and maybe it'll help you as well. Um, in my mind, that didn't sound fair, Right? Let me ask our church a question. What is fair? What is fair? What if God right now gave all of us what's fair? Let me ask it another way. What do you think God owes you? Maybe you, you think God owes you health. Maybe you think God owes you happiness. Listen, listen, listen. God doesn't owe anyone anything. He is God all by himself. He is. See, if God summit, this is, this is truth. If God gave every one of us in the room right now what we deserved, we would all get hell. Because, because what we deserve because of our sin in light of who God is, is eternity separated from him. That's why, praise God, God does not deal in fairness. Amen? God deals in grace through Jesus so that in Christ, if we run to him, none of us get what we deserve. Instead, we get what Jesus deserves. We get love from God, acceptance from God, forgiveness from God. We get his grace and his mercy. See, here's the deal. If we believe, if we believe that people who never hear about Jesus after this life's over, they all just automatically go to heaven. Here's exactly what we need to do. We need to stop sending missionaries. We need to stop giving. We need to stop giving to this church because every single thing you give to this church, listen, every week, every single week, it's not, it's not, it's not talk. Every single week, when you give to this church, a portion of what you give weekly, it goes to missionary families that we know that we brought up here on stage. It goes to missionary organizations all over the world to start new churches internationally. It goes to organizations to start new churches all over this country to support churches like we have in Whitesburg right now, like Connection Point Church that we've helped start in Barberville a few years ago. We helped start them, like more churches that we're going to start. But if we believe that people who never hear about Jesus, they ultimately go to heaven anyway we need to stop sending missionaries we need to stop giving to every church and here's the thing we need to stop telling people about Jesus right because at the end of the day we're just hurting them but here's the deal everyone needs to know about Jesus because everybody needs the gospel there is salvation summit in only one name under heaven and earth and that is the name of Jesus period Period. And so I just got to ask us, God, God performs this miracle for these wise men. God performs this, this, this supernatural event in the heavens to bring these guys from where they were to Jesus, where they needed to be. God causes a virgin to give birth to the Savior of the world. God does whatever it takes to save people. Let me ask us a question today. What are we willing to do so that people will be saved? How much are we willing to sacrifice so that people can be saved? I can't answer that for you. You answer that for you. How much?
much are we willing to inconvenience ourselves so that people will be saved? What are we willing to do, teenagers, to see our friends at school saved? What are we willing to do, adults, to see our friends, to see our family members saved? What are we willing to do? How much are we willing to sacrifice? How much are we willing to inconvenience ourselves? Let me ask us this question, and this is between you and God. Do you, do you really care about lost people? I mean, care enough to do something. Do you? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Stay with me for a few more minutes. Here's the thing. If we really believe that we have the one message of salvation for the entire world, if we really believe that on the other side of this life there is a hell and there is a heaven and what you do with Jesus is the determining factor for which you go, if we honestly believe that message and we have never said anything to the people closest to us, listen to me, they think something's up. Right? They think something's up. I think that they believe in hell. They ain't never said nothing to me about hell. I guess they want me to go to hell. I, they believe that. I, I, that person believes that Jesus, Jesus is the only way. Well, that's what their church teaches. They never invited me to church. They think something's up. So what are we willing to do to see people come to Christ? I want to show you a video, and it's about four or five minutes long, and I want you to watch the whole thing. Don't anybody move or any. I, I just want you to watch the whole thing. And I think I might have used this a couple of years ago, but this video is so powerful, and I just love the message of this video. I can't really remember if we used it several years ago or not, but it's been several years, so I get the liberty and the opportunity to use it again this morning. Um, how many of you ever heard of Penn and Teller, the, the uh, magicians? You ever heard of them? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, Penn, uh, Penn from Penn and Teller, he is an outspoken atheist. Outspoken atheist, and he is to this day. But after one of their shows in Las Vegas a couple of years ago, a guy walks up to him and gives him a Gideon New Testament. You know what I'm talking about? Those real tiny New Testament Bibles? God walks up to Penn and gives him a New Testament Bible. And, and Penn, uh, at the time, he had this video blog where he would just take like quick videos of himself sharing his thoughts. Well, it so stuck out to him, it so impacted him what this guy did. He shot this video. And it kind of went viral. And so I, I want us to watch this. Now, here's what you need to know. Since this video, he has not gotten saved. There is a point in this video where Penn says that he knows there is no God. You and I would obviously disagree with him on that, but I want you to hear from a lost person this morning how much it impacted them that someone would believe in hell and Jesus so much that they had to do something about it, okay? Go ahead, guys. Watch this video. Bring down the lights. Turn it up real loud. Check this out. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks, and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position. After I was all done, big guy, probably about my age. He had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. 
said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Why don't you think about what he just said? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that there is eternal hell and life apart from eternal life? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that there is an eternal hell and not say something? From a guy that's lost. And I just want to say to us today, and again, 
you've already heard this sermon, but maybe you forgot it. Maybe just in the rush of all this Christmas stuff, and Jesus is the reason. We forgot the reason that he came, to seek and to save sinners. And praise God, I was one. And praise God, we all were, if we're in Christ. Amen? There is no more urgent message that the world needs right now than there is life in Jesus Christ alone. There is no more urgent message that every kid in this county needs than that message. There is no more urgent message that every teenager in this county needs than that message. There is no more urgent message than every adult in this county needs than that message, that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. And so I'm not going to stand up here today and make, make all of us feel bad and guilty about sharing the gospel or that we don't do it or anything like that. I'm not going to make anybody feel guilty at all because guilt doesn't change anybody's life, all right? Guilt will last till about 3 o'clock this afternoon. And kind of like gas, it passes, okay? It just does, man. I'm just being real. It just does. Guilt doesn't change anybody's life. So let me just say this to you, and then we'll land this plane, and you can go to the house. The events and circumstances around your salvation are just as miraculous as the events and circumstances God used to get these wise men to Jesus. Just as miraculous. God might have not used a star to get you there, but maybe God used a testimony. Maybe God used somebody inviting you to church. Maybe God used some horrible circumstance that you and your family went through and God used that to save you. Maybe you just had this empty feeling in your life. You had everything that everybody told you you ought to have to be happy and you had it all and you weren't happy. And you knew there had to be more and his name is Jesus. I don't know what got you here, but here you are. Praise God with open eyes and a believing heart. And you have been saved by Jesus. Why would we not do whatever it takes to get that message out to the world, right? Why would we not do whatever we could to see as many people saved as we can? So let's pray together today. Let's pray. Just with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you right now know somebody, just by raising your hand for that person, how many of you right now know somebody in your life that's not saved? Would you raise your hand and say, I know somebody right now. There you go. There you go. Put your hands down. Almost every hand in the room went up. Praise God. How many of you know somebody right now that's searching right now? Raise your hand. Say, I just think, I think they're searching for something. A lot of hands are going up. Praise God for that. Put Put your hand down. How many of you know somebody that's going through something right now, just a horrible circumstance, and they need Jesus? Would you raise your hand for them right now? She wants to pray for them right now. Just by name, you can pray for them right there where you sit. I want you to pray for them right now. Pray that they would be saved. That's what we're praying. Pray that God would save them. God, I pray for these people. Every single person in here, raise their hands. They can think about people who are lost. And there are people right now in this world that need Christ. Right now in our schools and in our families, where we work and live, they need Jesus. God, I pray, I pray, Jesus, that you'd save them. You are a God that does whatever it takes. That's what this story is about. This story of the wise men is about you loving them and doing whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. God, would you do whatever it takes to save the people represented by every raised hand in this room today? Now, I want to ask you, as we just continue to pray, continue to pray for those people, as we're continuing in this spirit of prayer, do you need Jesus? Do you need Jesus in your life? Has Jesus saved you? Do you have a relationship with him? If Jesus is not a reality in your life, 
Yeah, you know about him and you even believe that he exists, but is he your Savior and is he your Lord? If the answer is no right now, you can come to Jesus just as you are. He'll forgive you for your sin, make your past clean, your present new, and your future a different reality. Jesus wants to save you today. And all you need to do right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. And if you want to give your life to Jesus and live for him, These are not magic words that simply get you to heaven. I'm saying if you want to give your life to Jesus, make him your Lord and follow him and live for him, and then know that you'll be with him forever in heaven. Today, pray this prayer with me and be saved. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I surrender my life to you right now for the first time. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying and coming back from the dead for me. Help me to follow you starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. No one is looking around or anything like that, but if you just raised your hand, I would love, if you just prayed that prayer, rather, I would love to celebrate with you. And just by you raising your hand here in just a moment, if you, raised your, if you, if you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond by simply raising your hand, saying, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. And I'd love to see your hand today go up and celebrate with you today. If you prayed that prayer to give your life to Jesus today, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now in this room. Just raise it up. If that's you today. God, I know that there are so many people, hundreds of people represented by every hand that went up earlier. Every hand that went up said, I know somebody that's outside of Jesus. I know somebody that needs to be saved. And God, this, we know this stuff but it's easy to forget. Everybody we'll see today is searching for what they can truly only find in you. And every person we see today and for the rest of our lives, they need the gospel. And so God, I pray that you'd make us bold. I pray that you'd give us courage. I pray that you'd give us love and compassion to do whatever it takes to see people be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Here's what I want you to do. Dana pointed you guys to our connection card. Here's what I would love for you to do. We're gonna have some volunteers standing at the back of the auditorium with baskets here in just a moment. I would love for every person in here to go ahead and grab your connection card. Go ahead and grab it right now, okay? And if you made a decision today to give your life to Jesus or, or you wanna be baptized or you wanna serve or anything like that, let us know what God did in your life. Check one of these boxes and let us know the decision that you made today. But here's what I'm asking for our entire church. I don't, I'm talking to everybody. On the front, we always do this every week, place for questions, comments, prayer requests. I would love for you to put the names of the people that you raised your hand for in this section right here today. It can be one name, it can be two, it can be 200, I don't care. But I would love for you to put them in here because we want to pray for them this week. I'm going to pray that, I'm going to pray they come to 21st, our Christmas service, all right? But if they can't come here, I'm going to pray that God would save them. So go ahead and take this card right now, everybody in the room. Just go ahead and take this card and begin to write names on this card of people that you know who need Jesus. I'm going to give you a chance to go ahead and do that here. And while you're filling out that card, I want to remind you, and we talked about this last week, for that service on the 21st, we are asking every single person to take this card and fill it out. It's going to be really important to us that we get contact info from everybody that comes. We want to follow up the very next day with every single person that comes to our Christmas service on the 21st. So if, if you come every single week, we want you to grab one of these cards. And that night, if you would fill it out, that would be great and give it back to us. But today, I'm challenging you. Who do you know that needs Jesus? Let's write their names down. Let's pray for them. All right? Let's write their names down and pray for them. And our volunteers are already getting into place to receive those cards this morning. And if you're new, first or second time guest, we'd love to meet you. 
at the welcome table before you leave this morning. All right? Hey, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Look at somebody and say, you better be back next week. Say it real. Say it real. The threat. All right? Hey, love you guys. Man, I love this church. God bless you guys. So many opportunities to point people to Jesus this, this week. Let's take advantage of all of them. You guys are dismissed.